Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, trying something a little bit different today. We're going off, uh, off a Skype call rather than uh, doing it how we usually do. So let us know if you see any difference. But for the time being, we have a full lineup today. Greth is back off the injured reserve list. Um, and we are joined by Mr. Gareth Dotton. Hello, Greth. Hello, Joe. Hello, how are we doing? A lot better. Thanks to the, the doctor's calling. The doctor's calling? What's that? A bottle of Jägermeister? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're joined by mr andy stafford andy hello how are we hello joe um not bad thanks you we good yeah i'm happy to see the end of the week and uh, get towards the weekend mate <laughs> and uh, we are joined by mr david grant hello dave good evening joe good evening everyone good evening how, how are you today dave not bad not bad a bit tired from getting in late last night from commentary but no we're good yeah yeah it was worth it though but we'll come very, back to oh, that. Very much worth it. Yes, very much so. But we'll come back to that um, later on for the time being. Um, there's been a lot going on over the last week, as, as per usual. Um, Cardiff split their points this weekend. They got a 3-1 loss against the Manchester Storm uh, and then a 7-3 win against the Steelers back in their barn. Uh, the Storm narrowly missed out on a four-point weekend with a 4-3 shootout loss to Coventry. Um, and then the Glasgow took five out of the six points over the weekend. They played five twice and Milton Keynes. Uh, so some good games over the week. Guys, what have been your highlights? Lots of goals scored. Um, you're going through just the different games. you got, you know, Belfast, Coventry, 13 goals. And the day after, Belfast, Nottinghamshire, you know, more goals. It's, you know, it's been a goal fest this weekend. Um from a purely self-directive, it was, you know, battle of the playoffs. Good to see Sheffield get another win against their um, playoff rivals in, in terms of getting points there. Um, also, you know, uh, seeing Glasgow get a few points over the weekend, I uh, just continued that tight race for the uh, spots to make the, uh, the final eight. Yeah, for me, there's really only one thing I can mention, but you've already mentioned yourself. I was beating Cardiff. I mean, only you saw that last week, Joe. What can I say? The only other thing I could say probably would be the Guildford-Dundee game. Where Guildford were winning 5-0 at one point, and Dundee came back with four and answered goals, and unfortunately didn't get the fifth. But apart from that, those would be two I pick. Yeah, for me, it's the five-point weekend for climbing. Uh, a team that has struggled at, at some stages of the season, but they've, they've really found the rhythm now. Uh, capped it off with a good win against MK Lightning uh, 4-2. Uh, to have three games in three days is especially difficult, but, you know, especially when you're playing five back-to-back. But, uh, no, that's, that's really good for Glasgow, and hopefully they'll find some momentum to uh, uh, film the grass and playoff spot in, 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 their, in their grass, really. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I agree with you guys in that for one of them has to be a five-point weekend um, for the clan, playing the three games, it's it's not an easy thing. So to to come out with uh, only dropping one point is is a huge achievement. Uh, particularly as well, pulling the win out on the Sunday. Generally speaking, obviously the hardest day out of the three, uh, just because of, of obviously the, the the tiredness coming out of the three games. Uh, but for me, the main highlight has to be uh, obviously we had the battle at the top of the league, uh, not Devils versus Giants, but. 
um, the Devils versus the Storm and the Giants versus the Blaze. And it actually looked at one point like the Devils and the Giants might both lose the games, which would have been a, a strange turn of events. But obviously Giants pulled it out of the bag to get the 6-5 win. Um, big weekend for the Giants pulling back two points, closing the five-point gap down to three. So that was that was my highlight, keeping, co- keeping composed to, to bring it back and get the 6-5 win. Um, in addition to obviously the games that I've gone on, um, we're seeing a little bit more action from Dops again. Uh, don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Some people like the fact that Dops have been a bit more vocal, but never good to see a, a few more bands dished out. Um, Dave, we've 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 had a band dished out this week. You want to tell us a little bit more? Yes. Yeah, so in the Belfast Coventry game. Um, Justin Hache, if I, if I pronounce correctly, um, received a, a two-game suspension um, for a tripping incident. Um, watch the video, um, and it's, it's, it's a little bit—it's it's a bit unlucky. It's a, it depends. Yeah, it, basically, the, the collision is and the the, the impact is knee on knee. Um, however, the arguments that we've all had, and, and I'm sure many people have had, you know, listening to the, to the podcast, is why tries changing the direction. Instead of keeping the same path, of course, that Hashi will have made the assumption that he's going for to take the person with the putt. Um, Dwyer changed lanes and then that's led to the neon uh, contact. Um, you, don't, you don't want to see neon contact because they are the ones that really can end a career. But uh, it, 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 I must admit, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure that it's a full on two game. For hash for this one, um, it's 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 like I say, it's not good. But is it two game? I, I'm not sure. If I'm honest with you, uh, I don't know what your guys think, but I, I'm I'm not entirely hundred percent convinced that two games was was fair. I think a one game suspension would have been justified in regards to that. I mean, yeah, it's knee on knee, but as you already mentioned. Dwyer at the last second has changed his direction to what he was already going for. It's not really giving the defend, defenseman a lot of option there. He's going in for the hit just to keep the puck in play in the zone. But I think they were on like a, a power play as well, a 5 on 3 power play. And that's occurred. I suppose one of the arguments that's come out is, is that Hache is responsible for the impact to Dwyer. And the argument of the question, I suppose, is, is did he, was there sufficient time in between Dwyer changing direction, which he's obviously entitled to do, to get round the man to, to take the puck, and the, and the hit from Hache? And I'm not sure there was sufficient time for that to happen, for it to be, you know, a, a dangerous hit, if that makes sense. I don't really think there was much time. I mean... I think there's probably like what not point two seconds, if that. I probably won't even say that. It was like a split second instance by Dwyer to change. Unfortunate, but I I would have said one game would have been enough, if that. Yeah, um, having seen the instant uh, quite a few times now, um, I think two games is very harsh. Uh, one game in itself would have been harsh as well. For me, it's more so of of, of Hache, you know, doing crossovers, you lean, lean to one side, you lean to another, and that makes you turn. So either you're going left and then right, left and right, 
I just how the movement goes when you're skating backwards and doing those crossovers. But when we're doing the force crossovers, it's a bit more easy. You've got a bit more time to probably um, maneuver yourself a little bit more. But it, it's literally just a misjudging between the both of them. I mean, Pat Dwyer, he, he moves to his right at the very last second when, you know, Hashai is bringing his other foot to his other side so then he can cross over towards his his right as well. So it's literally just a complete accident. You just catch each other. And it, it happens a lot in hockey. And obviously, sad to see Dwyer go down and look like he was in a bit of pain as well. But it was a complete accident. And uh, I don't think the camera angle itself really helped Dops to make um, a full decision there. So I can imagine some being 50-50. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. And, and I suppose, you know, one game would have been enough Absolutely enough, but two games is a bit is is very harsh, in my opinion. I agree with you, Andy. I don't <clears throat> I don't see the need for a ban on this at all. Um, I know it may be a bit of a um a contentious issue either way, but for me, one of the key things to take from it, as you say, there's there's two ways that that Hache could have set up for the hit. He could have gone in um, shoulder forward, feet perpendicular to his shoulder, leading you know, full body behind the hit. Was he closer to the boards? Probably more likely to be what he would have been doing. Obviously, it was an open ice hit. He's got to make that decision to make the hit. He's also got to try and take away the space in the middle of the ice as well, because obviously it's a, it's a big risk to make an open ice hit on a player. You miss that hit, and this is what a lot of people need to realise at times. Um, it's one of the biggest criticisms you hear about defenders is that they're not moving in for a hit, and what people don't always realise is you miss that hit, and you're giving him a lane straight to the goal. And it looks to me like Hache set himself up for this hit. Pretty standard in terms of his body positioning for an open ice hit in the position of the ice that it is. Keeps his keeps his stance nice and wide, leading shoulder forward. There's no intent there to hit with anything but the shoulder. The problem is, and I can't work out why he goes that way, but the problem is Dwyer then obviously goes to try and jump out of the way. I don't know why you'd move the way of the leading leg. That that just baffles me. If you were going to try and move out the way of the hit, why would you not go to the side of the trailing leg? He's made a split-second decision. He's gone over the top. But the problem for me is there's no way that Hache would have known that was going to happen. Um, so to say, I appreciate the onus is on the, the the person making the hit to make sure it's a safe hit. But that's that's like saying if... if I, well, no, that's like saying if Dwyer had dropped and smashed his head on his knee, then it was his fault because he was going in for the hit and he needs to make sure that it, could, it couldn't happen. You know, that's taking it to its extremity. But at the end of the day, he doesn't know that he's going to try and jump over his leg. He's got to make an open ice hit and that's it. So it just seems a bit odd to me. But they've made the two, they've made the two game suspension. It's not the end of the world. Could have been less. I, I, I certainly couldn't have seen it being more. Um, but still, the the thing for me, the only positive coming out of this is they're still sticking with the consistency of, um, you know, keeping the onus on the person hitting, which I don't necessarily agree with in this instance. But if they start mixing the wires too much, then it starts to become a bit more of a blurred line, and then you start to get a few more inconsistent results coming out of it. Um, two game ban for this kind of hit is quite consistent with what they're given, so. Just gotta live with it and move on. But that I I just said I I wouldn't have given it a ban if it was me, but yeah, hey ho. Um 
Anyway, unless anybody's got anything else to add on that one, we will move from this to the airport section of the podcast. It is the departures and arrivals. Um, <laughs> Going to make a pun at some point. Um, so, first off, Gref will leave, lead you in with this one. Um, the Belfast Giants have made a signing. Would you like it to tell us a little bit more? Yeah, they have signed a Jordan Smotherman from, well, he signed from the DEL. So that's a hell of an achievement. Is what a, a debut he had. First game, scores a, scores a goal against Panthers. I mean, not much they can ask for in regards to that. There are worse ways to start your first game for a team, certainly. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, playing in the DEL, he scored four goals and got 11 assists in 35 games. He seems to have... Played in the Alsvenska a lot, the La Liga, SHL. He's played in that league as well, and of course ECHL and AHL. He's played in some really decent leagues, and it's come straight from the DEL to the Elite League in the same season. That's something you don't, you wouldn't have normally seen like a few years ago. When you see that now, you're like, wow, great. Let's hope he has actually has a a good season, but towards the end of this season anyway, I mean, that could be the, the key signing for them to possibly win the league if Cardiff slip up. I mean, what do you guys think about it? He looks like he's got, he's had good numbers in decent leagues. Um, I'm just quickly looking at his stats. Uh, you know, 20 goals in, two, in a couple of seasons in the Elfenska, um, 20 points in the Liga for Pelicans, um, uh, 20 point nearly just a new uh, 20 point season for uh, Rogo. I'm, I'm hoping that's how you pronounce it in the SHL and with leadership as well. He looks like it's that type of signing that you, you kind of don't expect to see, but you're happy to see. It, you, you know, and like I say, you know, for, especially from a Belfast perspective, getting a, a goal against the Panthers on your first game is a great start. But I, I think this is a very much a good um, addition. And you know, like like you said, Gref, you know, he's come straight from the DEL. Um, you know, so I think you know Adam Keith has has done well in, in his recruitment on this one. It's a fantastic signing. I mean, uh, it looks like he, he can play two roles. He can score goals. He can put a point in stuff, but he's also uh, looks like a guy who, who could throw a few punches, show a few hits. I mean, six foot three and 102 kilograms. It's that's heavyweight right there, and. Uh, a very good pickup as well. He's a 2005 uh, fourth round draft pick by the Atlanta Freshers, um, which is a very decent round to be picked in, in fairness. And he's also got a uh, Calder Cup with the Chicago Wolves in the American Hockey League. Very good side, in my opinion. He's played some great teams and great leagues, and uh, I expect to see more of him. Maybe in a top side, uh, well, maybe on the score sheet as well. Yeah, you stole my line about a Calder Cup champion. I was hoping nobody else was going to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, he also made it to the ECHL first All-Star team in the 17-18 season, so obviously last year. Um, great signing by all accounts. To, you know, 200 and, oh, sorry, 373 games in the AHL. Certainly nothing to be sniffed at. For 0.44 points per game as well, so very, very good there. Um, interesting plus-minus um, 
you know, look like minus 21 in 373 games in the AHL. Um, DEL last year, uh, well, sorry, started this year, um, 35 games with a minus 18. So he's plus minus not too great, but you don't necessarily worry about that too much with a forward. Um, that's more the stat that I'd be looking at if he was a D-man. Um, yeah, first game, one goal. As I say, coming straight out of the DEL certainly looks like a top draw signing for them. And as you say, really could be a difference maker in the uh, in the title race against the Devils. And let's I just you know, appreciate that like, he played for a team called the Pelicans. You know, as all team names go, Pelicans, I'm, I'm liking that. I know that? one thing that the, the Belfast fans are going to love. I think it's, I read it on Twitter somewhere. It was he has, he saw Dwyer get injured. And as soon as he got injured, he booked a flight at midnight to come straight to Belfast to play in that game against Panthers. He wasn't really supposed to join up until this week. That's commitment for you. Something that Belfast fans will love. Yeah, I think this guy has the CV, to be fair to Yeah, I could see him being a fan favourite over the next couple of years in Belfast if he stays. Um, similar line to you, Dave. He's, he's, you've got the Pelicans. He's also played for the Roosters as well. I mean, this guy's got a great uh, animal-related hockey CV. Um, <laughs> Wolves as well, you know. It's, uh, but also, look at it. It's also, he's got a lot of leadership. Um, he's been an A um, in three of his teams, East Coast, SHL, Alsvenska. So not only has he got the stats, the finding the puck in the net, but he's also got the resume to show leadership. That could be the difference maker. We've said before on this podcast, you know, the likes of Jonathan Phillips, for example, may not be the biggest point scorer, but the leadership takes him and, and adds him to a, a different level. So this signing has all the uh, potential to be the difference maker and maybe the one thing that could help Belfast prevent Cardiff from doing that free peak. Absolutely could be. Um, we have got another signing that we'll discuss in a moment, but just sticking with Belfast for the time being, um, we've had a departure as well. So Sunday at lunchtime, they announced the signing of Smotherman, obviously to come in and play that day. Uh, and then a couple of days later, they announced a departure. Andy, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yep. Yeah, uh... Unfortunately, I had to uh, release Hunter Bishop, as he said, he's had a very good opportunity uh, in the coaching sort of role back home, uh, which is really good for him. Uh, not done too bad recently in terms of stats, uh, 34 games, 19 points. That's uh, not too bad from, from a third, fourth liner. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's really helped with Belfast this season. You know, he's he brought in uh, right at the start with, with the uh, the teammate and, and and he's done really well. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you, you can't argue with that. You know, it is a great opportunity for him to to go back home and maybe settle down. Uh, maybe he's got a job lined up as well away from hockey. But uh, to get a coaching role is a pretty good, pretty good thing as well. So yeah, just wish him all the best of luck. For me, when you look at departures, you, you kind of look at the reaction of the fan base of that players where he's got where he's left, and I didn't see a bad comment about Hunter Bishop by any Giants fan. Um, a lot of praise, a lot of appreciation. Obviously, did a great job in his role, and like you say, Andy, if you get a great role to go back home and stay in the game, and it's a bit of you know job security potential but at least he can keep in the game he'd be a full not you know to turn it down um but you know it's it's a shame that when you have to pack in the game 
um, at whatever level you play at. But, you know, he's, he's still in the game. When, when we saw him in Sheffield, decent player, did a good job for him. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's sad, but, you know, he moves on and all the best. Yeah, I'd probably just echo that, but apart from saying... Yeah, he he is a decent player, minus that one incident he had in Manchester where he got a suspension from Dops. The I think it was like uh, the elbow to the head on Springer, but apart from that, he actually he was a good player. It'd be it's an, an unfortunate one to miss out as a what Keith would probably think, but he probably be thinking you can't really give up this opportunity to coach back home, be a head coach as well. There's not really much you can say. No, you certainly can't question a, a decision like that. Um, the effect that it's going to have on Belfast, you know, he's been a good guy for them. Um, should say, 34 games, 19 points. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be missed if, as and when Dwyer um, returns to full fitness for the Giants and obviously returns to the lineup. I'm not sure what the news on that is, whether it'll be. A, whether it'll be a case for the next the next game or not, I, I, I don't know as we talk now. I don't know. I don't even know if anything's been released. But as and when Dwyer returns to the lineup, I think, you know, Smotherman may, you know, be coming in and being a slight upgrade on Bishop, just looking at the two CVs. Um, if you look at the two of them, I mean, Bishop played 128 games in the AHL. He had a 0.26 points per game. That's contrasting to Smotherman's 373 games with a 0.44. Um, they played in the ECHL, Smotherman with 87 games and 1.06 points per game. Um, 57 games for Hunter Bishop in the ECHL with a 0.95. So a couple of leagues there where um, Smotherman's just pipping Bishop to the post in terms of the stats. Um, and so, yeah, when, when Dwyer comes back to fitness, it may be a case that they don't miss Bishop as much as they feel like they will now. But never, never nice to see a guy leave a team, but... Always nice if he's got something lined up like that. And, um, you know, we wish him all the best going forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Smotherman comes in and fits in with the team now, because that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, they've they've had Bishop playing for the full season, obviously developed some chemistry with some of the guys. You know, he'll have got some, you know, he'll know what he's doing on the line that he's playing on. Smotherman's got to come in and, and, and slot straight into that role, but... I don't think they'll miss him as much as they think now. I think Smotherman's a good a, a good replacement for him. But as I say, wish him all the best, and uh, and, and you know, we'll see see how it goes for Smotherman and see how it goes for the Giants for the rest of the season. Um, last change to the last signing. Um, the question really with it is is how much of a signing is it? Um, it's Carson Chewback um, for the Sheffield Steelers. Not really been too much said about this at the moment. I'm not sure if anything's been put out on the Steelers side of things yet, but he has it has been official on Elite Prospects. I believe somebody said that Barrasso made a comment on an interview on BBC Radio Sheffield or something along those lines, but I haven't heard it. Uh, apparently, there's no link to it, so I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't think anything's really been said about it. But as I say, it's on Elite Prospects. Guys, what do we make of it? It's a bit of a strange one. Well... I don't think the Steelers have announced it. It's still all based on a star article and a couple of words. So there's no been no official word. But what's been gathered uh, is press talk, and this is no disrespect to the star, um, that it's very much insurance for should the worst happen to Jackson Whistle, that they have a goalie 
who's able to step in and, and do as much as he can to keep the Steelers on, on an even keel, as, as it were. Um, hasn't played for a while, and I believe for injury. Remember, says right. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard it was through. I injury. think it was injury. But when he when he played over here a few years ago for Edinburgh and um, the Giants, um, did a good job. You know, weren't the best goalie. However, you know, if, if if let's say he ends up playing 10, 15 games, but he actually is a difference maker from Sheffield, just missing out of the final eight to actually somehow making it to the final weekend, then it could be you know an absolute uh, you know signing of the season. That's the you know the potential that it could be. It also could be the potential to absolutely nosedive and uh, you know Sheffield being the first, one of the first teams on the golf course. If you have an option to have someone who who you know and has a pedigree, although ignoring the last period of time that he's not played, but if you have that type of pedigree available to you, it would be foolish not to consider it. And if Barrasso has done this, so it's got so because you know you hear Barrasso in interviews, he's now impressed a lot more recently with Jackson Whistle. Um, in his performance, especially in the game on free sport, is Sheffield's best player. For me, if a player somehow end of season awards isn't the best the, the player of the season, if it's not Jackson Whistle, he has to have done something absolutely out of this world from now to then because he has been Sheffield's best player um, by country mile. Um, which you know he, he's. It's his first real full season where he's been playing most of the games because obviously he had the hip injury where he was a- weren't able to play back-to-back. So it's one of his first seasons where he's really flat out. I know he did a bit last year for Belfast, but it didn't do as much. This year is his full first season. So he's to have a backup plan should the hip just you know give way at the wrong time, it would be foolish to, for the Sheffield not to consider that. Um, yeah. I don't think the force is very strong with this one. Well, hey. Um, yeah, I mean... I like the fact you had to give yourself a way, though. <laughs> oh, I dear. Resist. Um, I don't know. I mean... I couldn't understand why, if it's possible to bring in someone in, in case someone does happen to Jackson, but to bring in someone who hasn't played in two years... It's a huge gamble. I mean, could this suggest suggest that that we're blowing the budget for signings and things for this season? I mean, you could, the past two players we brought in, fairly young, you know, not much experience, but they've been brought in. Maybe it's because we're on a tight budget at the minute for, for signings. Uh, that's one concern that maybe I've got at the minute. Um, but yeah, he's not playing two years. Uh, obviously, nothing being said through Steelers themselves. So maybe they're having visa troubles or for something like that. It's the only thing I can really suggest if, if if they have not put anything out, but it has been confirmed on, on elite prospects. Could be one or two ways. Could be a signing where you know what, if if he's counted upon, could do a good job. Uh, or if he's played in, could do a bad job. You just never know what would happen with this sort of player. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not been much details given to us as as to what his role will be, as as to what he will be doing. But I suppose we'll just just have to wait and see um, if if the Steelers put put a release out. 
I personally, I think he's going to hopefully be a good door opener. If not, he'll be able to get that on his CV during the end of the season because I think Jackson's going to be obviously our number one throughout the whole of the season now. The only way I can see Jackson probably not getting as much ice time and Carson going in there if he is your backup netminder is if you're, you're like nine goals ahead against the team or I mean Dave might put a button that you won't it won't be them but you know it's it's MK so who knows but I think if Jackson does put, does do his hip as he's had in the past. It could be best to give Carson a few games. I mean, at least in you're not giving your, your best netminder back-to-back-to-back games when he's getting injured and he's making it worse and worse and worse. So it, even with the lack of playing, he, he proved that he was still a pretty decent netminder back when he was playing Fred and Brown Belfast. So hopefully it could help you get in the playoffs. But it's one of those wait and see moments. The thing that would do me in now, having gotten rid of Climey because he's not reached the standards that we wanted from him, the thing that would do me in now is if we missed out on the playoffs because Jackson took a knock and at that point we had to play Brad Day for five or ten games while we found another netminder. And that's the, that's the thing. And for me, this is a very, very clever signing. It's not one that jumps off the page at you. It's not one that you do a little dance like, like Gref does when he gets his predictions right. But it's one where realistically you look at it and go, you've now got a choice of a 29-year-old experienced netminder to an extent. He's played, um, you know, he's, he's played over 80 games in the Elite League, 84 games in the Elite League. Um, he, he's averaged probably around about an 89, 90% save percentage. He's averaged probably around three, three and a half goals against average. But you've also got to bear in mind, and no disrespect to him, but you've also got to bear in mind, one of those seasons was played for Edinburgh. And Tyler Beskarawani was playing for Edinburgh last year and didn't necessarily have as good goals against average as he is doing now. This guy got... You know, he's, he's, as I say, he's played a couple of seasons in the IHL. He's played 11 games in the AHL with a 92.8% save percentage and a 2.33 goals against. I know that's only 11 games, but you don't make your way up there, particularly that early on in a career, to you know to the big leagues if there's not something about you. All right, he's not played the same amount as Climey, but he's still played some, you know, up in those top, up in the top, well, second best league in the world um, in the AHL. He's also made the NCAA first all-star team in 2012-13, and he won NCAA player of the year. So this guy has got something about him. And let's not forget, he's 29. He's not 40. He's not in his late 30s. He's 29. He's had an injury last year. He's not played for a season and a half. I'd certainly rather have him in the ranks. This is no disrespect to Brad Day, but I'd, I would much, much prefer to have him in the ranks ready to step in if Jackson gets a knock than be waiting to rely on a Brit netminder who averages about three games a year and then plays a couple of games for Hull. And that's the key thing for me on this. Okay, he doesn't jump off the page. Okay, it's not a signing of the season or it doesn't look like it's a signing of the season. 
What happens if we finish this season, he plays 15 games and comes out with a 92% save percentage and a two, two goals against average? I think people will change their minds then. This is literally just a wait and see signing for me. Um, he ain't going to be, he ain't signed to be a replacement for Jackson. He's not signed for a replacement for Jackson, but it doesn't help to give him any, doesn't hurt to give him any competition either. So I, I think two, two, a good signing on two folds gives Jackson some competition between the pipes. If you're not putting in the effort or you're not putting in the performances, we've got another guy in the ranks waiting. And also if he takes a knock or even, you know, if we're an import down and we, and we sit you back on the uh, on the bench, if he lets a couple of goals in and his head goes down, you know, put the other netminder in, stop him from completely losing his head because, you know, a goalie's going to have a four-goal game on his mind a lot less than if it turns into an eight- or nine-goal game when he goes into the next game. So a lot of positives for this signing for me. Not necessarily the best signing we could have made, but a good signing nonetheless. Um. We'll move. We'll move on from the changes and the signings. Um, I'll throw this one over to you, Dave. Um, it's the. It was one of the questions that we've had on social media from uh, from Jay Dizzle. Um, it is something that I think we were going to discuss anyway, given the fact that uh, that you're on the podcast, um, and I think we all watched it as well. But uh, it is the CHL final. We'll, we'll throw it over to you as we know what your is, enthusiasm. Why are you suggesting, Joe? You, you suggested that I may like the CHL? I know that I mentioned it at all. There, um, there's no reason to suspect <laughs> that you may like the CHL, Dave. None at all. And you know what? It was a final that backed my reasoning. It was, you know, great game of hockey between, you know, the two best teams in the tournament. Um, and and in the end, for Lunda, um went off and lifted their third CHL title with a 3-1 victory in a sold-out Scandinavian. Huge point there, but I'll go back to it afterwards. Um, goals from Fagamo, Lash and Westerholm. Get full under three-goal lead. Um, Erlitz got a consolation goal on the power play for Munich, but Fulunder showed the experience. They, you know, Munich started well. They looked like a, the better side early doors. Frolunder just showed that their the knowledge of the tournament and how to win these big games, and you know we all were chatting during the game, and you, you just watched it. And the refereeing allowed the players to decide, which was a good thing for a final for me. Um, and it was just good. And again, when you are associated with a tournament that has a final like that, why would you not want to be involved? You know, you can park your Yorkshire Cup or the Aladdin Cup. You know, the CHL. No elite league team will get close to winning it in the next five, ten years, maybe more. But you want to be a part of it. It improves your game as a club. It improves the league. And it's shown. You look at the teams that's been involved. It's, it's shown. Um, and it, you know, great, great team of Scandinavian. So the point I'm making it's the first time that Fulham have actually held a CHL game at the Scandinavian, which is what where they play their SHL games. They normally play their CHL games, and in the final last time they hosted it in the Fulhamborg, where the Steelers played. Six and a half thousand. Throwaway arena, they call it, but a decent arena nonetheless. So to have this, and it sold out within three hours. Twelve over twelve thousand people, seven hundred Munich fans, sold out in three hours. So to get the the, this, the one thing that the CHL has lacked a little bit is the buying from the fans of the Swedes and the Finns. You watch games, and Greff's seen it a few more times because we mentioned it a number, numerous times. Is you see like Vexo um, and Tapara. The, the tennises aren't that good. The, the hardcore will go to it, but it don't grab all the fans. To get the main building sold out as quick as they have, 
he's just hopeful that now the Swedes and the Finns start saying, yeah, this is a tournament to be a part of and, and understand. Yes, it's not the, the bread and butter of the SHL. Yes, it's not the La Liga. But it's an important tournament that the fans now need to, you know, show up with just a little bit more respect. Um, I, I, guys, I don't know what your thoughts of the game. I thought it was a, a wonderful game for myself and yourself, Grantley. I mean, yes, we did have from the to win, so you know, didn't get that one right, did you, Joe? <laughs> touche, Gref, touche. <laughs> Yeah, it, in all fairness, I thought it was a really good game. I mean, there's not really much you can say that you haven't already mentioned. It was Munich looked like they could put in a, a they put in some really good shifts and they could look like they could score a good a good amount of goals. But for London, were just they knew what to do. They were showing their dominance in their own rink. So it was unfortunate for Munich, but I mean, fair play to them. First German team in the CHL final, fair play to them and that. And for the over the 12,000 12, fans, that's a new record in CHL history as well. That's wonderful. I mean, like wonderful. You said, yeah, that as well. <laughs> so, like you said, why wouldn't you be in, wouldn't want to compete in the CHL when you're playing those kind of teams? Just amazing. Yeah, it was a really good game. Um, I, I think maybe if Munich were a bit more disciplined, maybe it would have been really close to the scoreline, could have even gone to OT. But I think all three goals of Frölunda were on the, on the power play. Um, so it's fantastic credit to Frölunda. They got the power play just right. Uh, the right chemistry, the right players, all coming together to, to do the scoring and work wonders for them. Um, just fantastic to have it at the Scandinavian. It's a fantastic arena. It's the first time I've I've seen it um, inside. Uh, I have seen it. Well, well, we have seen it on on the outside. Me, uh, Joe, and Dave, and, and it looked amazing even from the outside. But to see it, what it's like inside is amazing. It, it's huge, absolutely huge. And uh, it's it's a, it's about a time they played a competition there instead of Flunderborg. Um, as you said, even though Flunder Wolves is a nice place, it's it's not the sort of place that maybe you would hold a final, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic venue, a great occasion for for them, and and again, just fantastic for the home fans, you know. Um, three times being that Flunder have been at home and won all three at home, so yeah, fantastic for them and for, for all the fans, and uh, yeah, they have proved to be one of the be- the best team in Europe uh, over the last few years. Yeah, I. Uh, it was a great game. It really was. Um, referees letting the game flow. Um, 13 penalties given in the whole game, as you say, Andy. Three power play goals for Frölunda and one power play goal for Munich. So every goal coming on a special team. Um, Frölunda's power play running at 50%, which is... I don't know whether it says more about their power play or, le- or you know, less about the, uh, the Munich's PK, but watching them, there was no way that, P- that, that Munich were getting them out of that zone. They were just stapled in that zone and just firing on net. Um, some of the goals were pretty spectacular to watch, in fairness. And, uh, yeah, I had, you have to feel for Munich. They got to a great stage. First German team, as you say, to make it through to the final. Um, 
I have to be honest. I know that we had the bet going. I know that we had the uh, the predictions going. I, I never really believed that Munich would do it. I just kind of rooted for them. I just kind of, you know, it's nice to see the underdogs take it. It's nice to, it's always nice to watch a game when a team becomes the first of their nationality to win it. Uh, and that was kind of what I was hoping for. Obviously, it wasn't to be that way. Um, but a great game nonetheless. Um, you know, the shots on goal, 31 shots on goal um, against 36. So saves, I mean, 35 saves. Uh, in the for London net uh, against 28 saves in the Munich net. So it does show why the for London goal he was given. Was it given a man of the match? Is that right? Yeah, it, was, it does show. Uh, I mean, you look at you look at the, the lineups in terms of captains, Joel Lundqvist and Michael Wolf. 18 minutes, 11 on the ice for Joel Lundqvist across the game. 20 minutes, 28 on the ice for Michael Wolf. So, you know, two key players for their teams really, really... Um, driving the teams forward as the time on the ice shows. No goals for either of them. Um, three and three shots for Lundqvist, four shots for Wolf. So they were, you know, both captains really getting involved in the game. Um, I, 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 to be fair, I don't even think I'd say that it was dis- discipline that cost the game for Munich. I know that the goals came on the power play, but to be fair, it, I, I, th- I felt like Munich looked better go, moving up and down the ice. Um, there were times when they were moving out of their zone and up the neutral zone breaking into the offensive zone so smoothly and, and some of the plays were great. But then half the time they just fizzled out as they got towards the front under net. Even, even when they were putting shots on and even when they were creating chances, it was low shots. Um, there were a few times where you looked at it and thought if, they, if he'd have just lifted the puck, you'd have had, you'd have had the top of the net to play with and instead he's shooting it into the goalie's pads. But sometimes it's the way, it's got to be intimidating going into that arena with a 12,000 attendance as well. Um, and that place was bouncing, uh, absolutely bouncing. And that was great to see as well. But fantastic uh, showing for the CHL. Certainly, as Dave says, a, a reason in itself for wanting to be involved in the tournament. And just, just a great game to watch. I think a couple of things. Firstly, interesting stat on time-wise for the captains just shows that the you know Lundqvist and the the Munich captain I, um, I forgot his name were just super Wolf. troopers. Wolf just super troopers to their team. Um, but I think looking afterwards, you know, you, you kind of ask two questions: How much difference is the SHL to the DEL um, in terms of you know the leagues in the world? And I think that one thing showed that you know the DEL has been getting better, but still. You could argue that the SHL is, is one of the, if not the best league in Europe. But then you also, a lot of discussion afterwards by the Fulunda fans was how would you test against the KHL and a KHL team in the CHL? And, you know, I'm going to throw this to you as a question. Let's just assume, let's go last year's K, the Gagarin Cup winners, um, Kazan. Who do you think would win that game? It's, it's strange to see. It, it would be great to see. Um, it would equally, for me, would be great to see a KHL team playing against a, an AHL team as well. Because for me, KHL and AHL are tied for, well, uh, are, are in the mix for second and third best leagues in the world. Um, so that would be interesting to see as well. If, if it was regarding that, uh, I have to say, I think, I think the KHL team would do it. I think Kazan would do it. I think I think SKA would do it if it, if it was SKA that were in the mix. You look at some of the players that are playing for the KHL teams, and there's a reason that 
there's a reason so many of them are knocking on the door in the NHL, and I know that that's the same case with the with the Swedish game. But you watch the play, the training regimes, the just the continuity amongst the team, across the team in the KHL. I mean, we'll come to the GB game in a bit, but just watching Riga in Coventry, I mean, Riga are a lower-end KHL team, and just some of the moves that they were making, some of the plays up the ice, it was just fantastic to see. You really saw glimpses of class across the team. Um, but that being said, you see that with Frölunda as well. You saw that with Munich. Um, at the end of the day, when all said and done, you can say either team played well in the final the winner takes it all. We all know that. Um, so I, I think it'd be great to see a Frölunda versus uh, versus Kazan game or Frölunda versus SKA. Nice to mix it up and get some KHL action in there. But I, I'd be putting my money in the KHL team. Great, Fandy, you know, where, where would you put your money on? I would put it on KHL as well. I think it'd be a really good game. But yeah, I'd still say the KHL team would probably win. Not... No disrespect to Falunda for as, a, as an example, but I think the the level of playing the KHL is probably just a bit higher than the SHL. I mean, it would be a great game to watch, nonetheless. I think I bars because I probably probably would clinch it, but only by by a goal or two at most. I, I think it'll be a a very close encounter, probably more close than maybe the, the Munich and Flunda game. You just never know. But both are good leagues. Um, I, I think you no, know, you're right in saying that the KHL and the AHL are about are about the same level um, in terms of also it, it would be great to see how they will get on against against Flunda. Be very close in my opinion. Um, and yeah, it'd be nice to see a, a KHL team in the in in the CHL at some stage. You know they. Definitely have the right to be there to be in that competition. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll we'll see them in a few years, if if not sooner. I think logistics prevents a KHL team being a regular entrance in um, the CHL. I mean, you can imagine if uh, Magnitogorsk or Kazan actually were to to be the Cup winners, and actually, you know, it's, it's I think it's three hours from Moscow to these, these places, and then you go from either Gothenburg or Munich, you're talking five, six, seven hours, it then becomes a, a logistical challenge, especially where the main leagues in mainland Europe um, play midweek as well. So um, I believe Frölunda may even play tonight. Um, so, But I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Gref. I think the, the main winner from that CHL final was the the BHF uh, charity with the, uh, the, the wonderful donation that uh, our bets uh, cashed in. Costing me and Andy the money, money, money. As Can I just know. say, um, I only went for Munich because I thought that having, you know, a 50-50 split would be more interesting for the listeners and not everyone on one side of London. But I definitely thought we would win it. I say one thing though, I think it would have been great for the tournaments and, it, and the whole thing if Munich did win it. Oh, I'll yeah, say yeah. that. I think it would have, it would have yeah. been amazing to yeah. have a non-Scandinavian um, team win. Um, but I, I'm just going to spitball this to Gref, you know. I, you know, Joe and Andy were, were good sports um, in putting this bet on, and they've lost. So should, should we, you know, should we, should we give back as well? So we we, we double up and uh, make sure the BHF really do win. Yeah, I see. I don't see why not. I mean, BHF's the real winner. Eh? So you know, so for those who aren't listening to the last podcast, we had a five pound bet. Whoever won the the CHL final, 
So Andy and Joe will be paying on to mine and Gref's page fundraising for the, the UK charity All Star Weekend. Me and Gref will do the same as uh, as Good Sports to Joe and Andy's page. So uh, British Art Foundation's just uh, out of the CHL's got twenty pound. I think that's a good result. It's always good. I, I, I think it. I think either way, um, you know, knowing me, knowing you, we all knew that that was going to be the result that came out of it. I think we were always going to put um, whoever won was always going to put the money back. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, great game of hockey, great result as you say for BHF as well. For our, for our just giving pages of five pound each, um, you know, so twenty pound going towards charity there as well. Um, all in the name of the game. Uh, so yeah, no, really, really good. Wow, Dave, I think you're gonna lag behind on these other references, mate. I've just slipped a fair few in there. <laughs> Do you know what? I I think I'm gonna need an SOS to get out of this one, mate. <laughs> no, no, you're desperate now, mate. You're desperate now. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Don't try and force it. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Come on. Give me, give me, give me the win. Come on. There we go. That's the last one. I'm moving on now. We're moving away from the CHL final just for that reason. Uh, this, um, is my, this is my Waterloo, eh? Oh, for God's sake. You can't <laughs> <the last> one, <laughs> Move it swiftly on. I'm not going to be childish. I'll let you have the last word on that one. Um, <laughs> written down um, next for me is. What we've referenced a couple of times, uh, Dave, yourself and myself went off to Coventry yesterday. You very kindly offered to drive, giving me drinking privileges during the game. Um, yeah, it was the GB versus Dinamo Riga game. Uh, I'll I'll go to you first, Dave, to see what you thought, and then go to the other two. So before we go on to the actual day itself, um, it's obviously one of five games that Great Britain have announced so far. Um in their preparation for the World Championships um, in around 90 or so days. Um, not counting. Not at all. There's not been text messages between me and Gref saying how many days are left. We're not counting whatsoever. Um, so it's the first of five games in preparation. Um, now, this game sold out within about a week and a half of the tickets going on sale. And you kind of thought, it's a bit strange. It's a, <laughs> it's a friendly. It's an exhibition. <laughs> To then find out that over 2,000 um, Latvians have got tickets for this game. To then find out on the day that tickets were actually going for £200 for an SSA £20 ticket. So there was demand. So for me, straight up, you knew there was going to be a good atmosphere. I, years ago, went to the Olympic qualifiers in Riga. I remember the atmosphere that the Latvian fans had there. Um, and I always remember one particular moment I was talking during the uh, the start of the Latvia-Kazakhstan game and they scored Latvia and it just physically stopped every single one of our group talking. You had to do, where was this noise? And you're talking 9,000 in this building just made the noise I've never heard in a sporting venue in my life. Um, it was absolutely incredible. To then go to Coventry yesterday, to have 2,000 Latvian Riga fans, and I say that because they kept, they kept changing from chanting for Riga then to Latvia. Um, randomly throughout the game. Um, their noise was incredible. I mean, I was trying to talk to Joe, who's bang next to me, and I couldn't hear him. Um, they just really brought an atmosphere that was just out of this world, and I don't think Coventry will ever see again. Um, maybe the NIHL final, but who knows. Um, but the game itself, 
it was we've mentioned already it was great to see a KHL team may not be at full pace maybe probably third gear at most but they gave Great Britain a good game of hockey they tested them they rolled their four lines GB did the same um, in credit to, to Pete Russell and as much as the results weren't the main thing for me it was always it's always nice to just get that win it's that confidence but I saw a lot of performances and I don't want Joe think there was a lot of performances where I'm thinking do you know what you've you've given yourself a great chance of being on that plane um, I'll not name names on the plus side because I'll not name names on the minus side because there's one guy who I automatically will ask him to leave his passport at home I just thought, at that pace, because of the crucial thing playing against the KHL teams is we're going to be playing against teams that are going to be quick. And uh, one player found himself short um, for me. Um, but overall, good run out, good um, for confidence. They also had a penalty shootout afterwards, which is as, as strange as concepts it were, handy to have because you never know. GB may find themselves in a, in a penalty shootout to get a point that may just keep them up. That's as bizarre as that concept could be. Overall, great day out. Latvian fans, Riga fans, credit. They were great fun uh, in the arena, in the bar, outside. Um, just, a, just a great day of hockey. It's worth, it's worth getting home about 12, 1 o'clock. Yeah, I watched. <clears throat> I was one of the people that paid the, for the webcast. And in some of the parts of the game... You, I was wondering why has the ref stopped the game or shouldn't that really be offside because you couldn't hear a whistle at all. You had to hear it from the commentators saying, oh yeah, they've blown the whistle. You're like, oh, so that was icing or that was offside. You re- you really couldn't hear it, which even off a webcast, that was unbelievable to hear. Great to get the win as well. Obviously, we're great to see, you could say a new guy really. Ben Lake getting a, a goal on his technically it's like his debut game for GB, which is brilliant. There was a lot of good performances and also Dave, he might need his passport to go actual home. But you know I don't care. <laughs> That's not the argument we're having. <laughs> not at all. But nonetheless, it... I can see where you're coming from because I saw it as well, unfortunately. I think you're just giving the game away there a little bit. <laughs> Not really. Could be anyone. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, um, from, the, from the best that I did see, cause I, I think uh, the cameraman pull, pulled the cables out of the camera in the second period, so I, I missed half of that. Uh but yeah, the, the the bits that I did see, uh, really good, uh, really good effort from both sides. You know, uh, GB team of the the players that have never played with each other, they played against each other in the league, but not played with each other. And you know, from that performance, you wouldn't think it. You would have thought you would have thought about that that have you know one or two games together before. But now just a fantastic effort from both of them, and uh, massive shout out to all the Lightbeam fans that that went down. That's massive to get 2,000 in that building. You know, it only holds about 3,000 seated, I think. So, fantastic for them. Um, yeah, just many, many positives to take from that. Uh, I, I think you know it, it's it's learning care for both sides. Obviously, with Dinamo Mariga uh, just just missing out or or missing out on on a playoff place in 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 the uh, in their domestic KHL. Um, 
but great for both teams. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to take away from it. Uh, Pete Russell, again, I, I think he'll, he'll know what sort of thing that he'll want to take to take over, if not before the next um, next few challenge games. But yeah, it was great. Um, hopefully, maybe next time they'll think of a who's holding in a slightly bigger venue. But so I, I'd love to have gone, but I, I didn't know about ticket sales have gone so quick. So yeah, it's a fantastic game for both teams. I think one thing to mention, I think why they pick Coventry is because there's a, a huge expat Balkan, um, Baltic, I apologise if I got the wrong area, um, so in, that, in, that, in Coventry in, in that area, because so, when Poland have played, they've always took a game to Coventry, and there's always been 900,000 Poland fans. So there's, there's, there's a huge expat community over in, that, in, in the Coventry area, so it made sense to have that. Um, so, for me, one thing that I didn't mention is he also shows the structure of Pete Russell in how he plays his GB side. Um, you had a few, three or four players who didn't play in Budapest, but you wouldn't have thought they, they didn't know the structure, they didn't understand it, they didn't pick it up. And I, I think that's a good positive for, for Pete Russell and Adam Keith. I mean, I'll bring Griffin to this for a second, because obviously he saw it out in Budapest. Um, but it just shows, if he has that now, you add like Ben Lake, um, Betteridge, Long um, and a couple others that hadn't played in the last World Champions. I think that bodes quite well for the type of team we're going to have. That's going to know what it ha- what it can do, its limitations, but play to its strengths very well, and will give GB the, the best chance it can do. Yeah, uh, Betteridge did play in Budapest, but I think you mean Billings. Uh, <laughs> that's the one. My apologies. But yeah, it was still you couldn't really tell that they hadn't actually played before under. Under being Pete Russell being the GB coach, it was just they were there and they knew what to do straight away and how to play, how you want them to play. It was it was technically like watching GB back in Budapest all over again, minus a few players that were playing that were playing over there. Yeah, it was it was a great game. It was a great performance from GB, and, and we were saying there's a, a lot to take from the game. Um, Riga. Didn't really seem to move out of second gear. Um, has to be said, when you watch the intensity of the skating and the intensity of the plays, it certainly looked like GB were going full throttle. Um, maybe Riga weren't weren't going all out. Um, it looks like they were resting a couple of their players. Just looking on the Elite Prospects page, their top point scorer, Linus Videl, was out of the lineup. And the goalie that was in net was Krista Gudlevskis. Um, totally didn't practice saying that in my head five times before saying it. Um, he appears to be their second netminder. Um, they, they split the goal, the games in fairness, pretty evenly between the top two netties. The other is Timur Bilyalov. Uh, he wasn't, he, did, he wasn't even on the game sheet for the game in Coventry. Uh, the, the, it was actually their fourth goalie uh, that was the backup netty yesterday, as Artur Silovs. But yeah, I, I, you know, it didn't necessarily look like Riga were going full throttle. Uh, and we, we said that a couple of times, Dave. I mean, we were expecting to be annihilated in the game. I think our predictions were a 5-2 and a 6-2 loss. Um, so to come out with a win, great. Some really, really great plays for GB. And when I say when I say that, I don't necessarily think Riga were going full out. It, it isn't by any means a, a criticism of GB. Because at the end of the day, we're not playing Riga in the, in the World Champs. And the whole point of this first game was to get the team playing together, to see how he played, maybe to give some insights as to who may be in the uh, in the final squad. And and they really did do that early on in the season to come together after playing against each other 
uh, you know, for the first two thirds of the season really came together. Well, uh, Ben Lake, fantastic game. One, one goal, one assist would have been my man of the match of the game. Um, Betteridge played a great game. Billingsley and fairness stood out a couple of times in the game. Uh, Swindlehurst stood, stood up well at the back. I, I have to say with, with, with the team that we had yesterday, a uh, few players out, obviously Robert Dowd out injured at the moment. Colin Shields was kept out of the lineup. Uh, obviously Mosey's out as well with an injury. So, Difficult to pick a final squad from that. As I said, I can only really think of one player maybe out of that lineup that I'd get rid of based on the performance yesterday. So difficult job for uh, for Pete Russell, but fantastic game for GB. Obviously, two one going up to the empty net goal scored by uh, scored by O'Connor. So yeah, no, fantastic game, and and it really is looking good for GB um, based on that. I think as much as we've seen that. Dinamariga were second, third gear. I think a second, third gear KHL side is still up a, a, a few notches of what GB will have played against over the <laughs> last few years. I mean, you, you know, if you go back a couple of years, you're talking Romania, Holland, um, no disrespect to these countries, but, you know, poor. Um, <laughs> you could have put it a bit, ni- a bit nicer. No disrespect to these countries, but not as good as a KHL team. No, just no disrespect to those countries, but you are rubbish. I'm not being funny, mate. I've been sitting through them games and watching them. It's, you know, uh, this is we're talking 2014-15 after uh, you know Tony Han relegated um, the, the, the senior side to 1B. So seeing these teams, you know, they're, they're not you. We're not used to that style and, and speed of uh, of teams because Riga, as much as I say, they were quick last night. They were still, you know, their up and down play was was fast, um, and every time you could tell, yeah, you know, every time Riga was in the offensive zone because the noise went up ten notches. Never mind one or two. Um, so, it was yeah. as soon as they stepped over the halfway line. As soon as they got into the into the the GB half, that was it. Everybody was just going mad. Uh, you know what? It's was, it was just great. It, it was worth the money to go in just for the atmosphere, for me. Um, it was they were just that good. I've never felt outnumbered in like what should be a domestic arena though. That was that was crazy, absolutely. Crazy. It was one point I went into the, I went to the toilet just before the game started. I queued for ten minutes to go to the toilet. I, I, I think in fairness, I think it probably came back twenty minutes later, and I don't think for the entire twenty minutes that I was away going to the toilet. I don't you know I don't think there was a single GB person in the queue or in the toilets the entire time that I was there. It was literally just packed full of Latvians. It was just crazy. Like if you walked out of there, you'd be expecting to go into like some Latvian rink at that point. It was madness not to walk into the Sky Dome. Absolutely phenomenal. The atmosphere was immense. I've never heard <laughs> the atmosphere even remotely like that before in, in the Sky Dome. Uh, it's, uh, it was good. It was. So, as you say, some of the plays that Riga were making as well, it was just, as I say, some of the passes, some of the, some of the skills. And as I say, that, that guy was the second netty. And you watched him warming up. I mean, his, his puck tracking was just phenomenal. I've never seen a goalie not... He didn't seem to take his eye off the puck, even when it was going around the back of the net. He, he, he was just... You, we were we were stood on the far on the corner of the, of the boards, right right at the plexi, and you could see the whites of his eyes like as he was tracking the puck, it was just insane. Some of the players and the size. I, mean, I got I got, I got one foot where the 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 guy is literally about the same height as the plexi. 
and, and comes to the end of the party. And, and these are the forwards. Yeah, exactly. But also, but also I didn't realise is the guy who did the guitar piece of the KTL All-Star, he played last night. Who was that? Uh, Malone. Ah. Oh. He's one of their top point scorers as well, my own. He's yeah. looked, looking at he's a D-man, but he's... Uh... 42 points from 43 games as a D-man is pretty... Uh, I mean, he's also got a minus 13, so it might, you know... You know Checks 42 points and still a minus 13 as a D-man. It doesn't look great, but still, one of the top point scorers. Um, but no, they, they were fantastic. And to say they're a lower side KHL team, it really does speak volumes for, for the league, but it was just phenomenal to watch. And their jerseys, oh my God. I'll I'll just make sure mine's okay in the wardrobe later on today, mate. Um, yeah. So if you get the chance to catch the other KHL team that's coming over, Torpedo. Uh, I want to say the full name, Dave. Uh, Torpedo <laughs> Nivi Nosgod, I believe. Nivi Nosgod. Thank you. Um, I said Dave, Chef... not Andy. <laughs> line... We just line change there. Who cares? Um, get you know, take advantage because they'll it'll be great. And then Torpedo are, are a higher ranking team. I've, I've, Last time I checked the, the rankings in the KHL, the higher ranking. So if you saw it on the webcast or was that there last night and you thought that was good, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot better um, at the end of April. I've seen you line change. I don't want you line changing. Last time it was we pulled you because there was a penalty and you nearly landed on me on the bench. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just saw you flying over the boards. Um, anyway, um, moving on from that, <laughs> uh, Dave... I'll bring it back to you because you're our guy that normally goes forward with the questions. Um, I believe we've had a few questions on social media, if I'm not wrong. Um, the, in fairness to, I think we just, we had one question um, from Mr. Dizzle himself. Um, so thank you very much for your questions. And as I bring the question up again, if you do have questions, please send them to us on social media. Joe, what are the uh, the social media lines? So on Twitter we are at MFZ Podcast and on Facebook we are My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. Uh, feel free to tweet us with your questions, PM us with your questions, or obviously comment them on Facebook as well. Um, we do try and check everywhere before we uh, before we record. So uh, except for when Dave's away, then we ignore his questions. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm still hurt by that. My apologies. Not accepted. Moving on. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Jay, Jay's question was, was thoughts on the GB win, and I think we've covered that uh, pretty much. Um, he also asked, do you think the new Steelers goalie is an insurance policy, or do you think they're training him up for next season? I'll throw it out to, to you all. Either way, not a bad shout. I'd say he's a good insurance policy for the time being, but as I said before, he's not an old guy. He's not an old goalie. Um, if we can pick up uh, you know, a top draw goalie by giving him a chance at this point. Why not? So to be fair, may even be a, a bit of a, a a dual motive on signing him there. He's, he's, he's a good shout to, to be training him up for next season. Um, we've seen he can perform at this level in our league. So yeah, I, I, I could see either, but I think primarily an insurance policy for the time being. Yeah, I, I think it's more on the insurance side. I mean, like I said earlier, it, it is my opinion, but I think it would be great if we could have maybe signed someone who's a, a bit more recent experience. But that's just my opinion. Um, in, terms of, in terms of next season, um, I think I'd be happy with having Jackson as a number two and maybe trying to go out 
elsewhere and finding finding uh, a number one. Um, in terms of that, I think we should leave it till next season, to the off season, to find out what you know, see what's available, see who's available. Um, but yeah, for the meantime, I think it is just just during Spurs, just in case Jackson does get injured, which is a good good uh, thinking. I think one thing, Andy, is it's about the recruitment and how they're doing the recruitment in Sheffield, but I think that's a, a conversation to have on another podcast, because I think that could be it's a lengthy one. I I think it's probably a bit of both, you could say. I mean, it's definitely an insurance policy for this season. But for Carson, I think maybe... In, if he does well this season, then yeah, you'll sign him for next season. That'd be brilliant. Well, for you guys, it'd be brilliant anyway. We all know you're a closet Steelers fan. Get, get your Davy Phillips shirt on. Come to the come to the Fly DSA. Stop pretending to be a Storm fan. Just like you'd stop pretending to be a Panthers fan. What can I say? <laughs> that Phillips jersey suited you, Griff. No chance. It was for a good cause, I'll admit that. But no. We're not arguing about the cause, mate, but it suits you. No. <laughs> I think we all need to get 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 a shirt of Hurt Sword for this year. We and we, we, we can do it we can do it as an MFZ thing. As a my fancy Zamboni thing, we can uh, we can get a, a shirt of Hurt going. It's gotta be done. It's not. It's got to be done. Are you be wearing a, a Marshawn jersey again? Oh, I don't know. That was Chara on the back, wasn't it, in the end? But I ended up having to wear that for the whole weekend. Wearing a Bruins jersey, I felt like I needed to shower in bleach. See, this is what you are allowing yourself in for, Joe. There are other things to do to raise money for charity. These things, you know... I can think of one worse jersey thanks, to wear. Thanks, but no thanks. There's one worse jersey for me to wear than a Bruins jersey. I think and I, I think you know exactly what I'm going to say, and I think you'd be I, the same. I fully agree with what you're going to say, Jim. As, as, a, as a fully-fledged Hallam alumni, uh, the one thing that haunts my nightmares is the idea of wearing a Uni of Sheffield jersey. I could not wear that black and yellow. Yes, that is... Leave Maroon. It's one thing I, I, I don't want to wear. I want to see him win a hockey match, in fairness, but... Uh, We'll leave that one alone as well. Yes, I'd rather be a Polly. We'll leave the rest of the imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I, to be fair, I think that covers the questions. I've not appreciated all the questions we kind of, we kind of half covered in uh, just in, in the previous points. So, um, yeah, one thing I'll note before uh, we go on to the, the predictions, um, I, just because I've seen it on Elite Prospects and it intrigued me, a um, couple of, well, a few NHLers have their birthdays today. Strange little twist on the podcast. We've got Steve Stamkos, Aaron Blad, and Ryan O'Reilly are all are all birthday boys today. I just saw Steve Stamkos' birthday on Elite Prospects, and it intrigued me as to how many players were having a birthday today. My apologies, it's completely random, but hey ho. Um, listening. I did. I did <laughs> sign up for this. Stuff. I, well, you know, I just I just like to mix things up a little bit. Um, the the other thing that's just struck my attention as I've been looking through uh, through elite prospects the ECHL in the, this season coming round uh, Jesse Schultz 
who played for the Steelers a couple of years ago, was actually released by the Steelers, is currently the third top point scorer in the ECHL this season, 50 points in 44 games. Wow. Um, Hatch against Salzburg? Mm. Yeah, Hatch yeah, against Salzburg. Didn't really do a great... Well, in fairness, well, I mean, he was let go from the Steelers with 22 games and 19 points, so... Not a bad output, but it, it just struck it just struck my attention. It's always interesting to see when if a player is released by a team, by your team particularly, and then you see him leading another league that's of a similar quality, it does kind of jump out at you. But maybe yeah. need to resec- <laughs> maybe, maybe need to resection a future podcast of where they now type one and see how previous elite league players are doing and how they're doing. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start telling you whose birthday it is every time we do a podcast now. Just just. Just, just for just for people who are interested. So, I, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's quite it's right. birthday. <laughs> it's Gritty's birthday. It's Gritty's birthday. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, moving towards the end. Of, the last thing I think we've got on the agenda, gents, is um, upcoming fixtures. Favorite part of the podcast this week, because um, we have the results in from last week, and we will go through them because Joe, uh, did, Joe did very well. Um, uh, so. We, uh, oh, why are you yawning like you weren't even here last oh, week? Dear me. How's the weather in Manchester, Griff? Probably rainy. rainy. <laughs> yeah, it's raining. <laughs> it's great. So, last, last week, we predicted on 11 games. Um, bottom of the leader. But we, do you know what? To be honest, we all did quite well last week. Um, if you put an accumulator on, don't know why I, I said accumulator. Then. If, you put an, if you put an accumulator on last week based on our uh, predictions, you might have done a little bit better than you probably have in previous ones. <laughs> um, Andy, out of the 11, you got six right, um, so over that 50% mark. Dave, you got eight, um, and I got 10, so I only got one wrong last week. Uh, and the one that I got wrong, actually nobody got right. That was the five v clan game. We all said Glasgow were going to win, and uh, uh, five took the win on that one. Um, moving on to the predictions for this week. Obviously, the first game is tomorrow, or should I say today? Now it's again we're past that that midnight mark. Um, is Friday the eighth of Feb? It's Giants versus the Flames. Uh, do it as usual. Go through on it so I can write them all down in the grid. So we'll go Andy, then Gref, then Dave, and then me. So Andy, what do you reckon? Giants. Giants. I've, I'm writing G again. That don't work because it's it's Guildford and Giants. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write B. B, B. Someone, throw, someone like Peterborough just to really throw him off his game. Um, I probably would no, write that down. <laughs> would, yeah. Um, Belfast. Yeah, I've got a full house for Belfast there. Um, and then, again, Saturday 9th of Feb, again, Giants, Flames. Giants. Giants. Yeah, Giants. Yeah, I can see him doing the double on that one. So, yeah, Giants for me as well. Uh, We've then got Devils versus Blaze. Devils. 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 Yeah, I'm going to say Devils as well. Clan Storm. Good Good game in terms of playoffs, this one. Both teams contesting for a playoff spot. Uh, what do I say, clan? Obvious. It's cl- star. Yeah, not even. You nearly said clan then. <laughs> I thought I was going to say five then. Um, Can I just say we've got we've got in that recording, Gret's really weird laugh then when I said that. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to go Manchester. I'm going to go Manchester as well. Um, God. 
I've got a strong Anna. <laughs> Sorry, Ander. Well, you know what, though, Andy? When you get it right, you'll look really good and we'll look really stupid. <laughs> um, we've then got MK versus Dundee. Uh, Dundee. 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 Full house for Dundee on that one. Uh, and then we've got Steelers Panthers. Oh. Steelers. Panthers. On the 18th anniversary of the bench clearance, it's not going to be the same result as that night. I'm going to go for a Steelers win, which, by the way, was my first away game. That bench comes my first away game. See, random bits of info today. Dave's first away game, Steve Stamkos' birthday. We're really treating you in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to think how much money I've spent going away watching hockey. Yeah, and how much more on beer while you're going away watching hockey. Don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Panthers for that game. Yeah, call me Panther Joe. But um, Then we got Sunday, the 10th of Feb, Nottingham, Belfast. Uh, Belfast. Third game of the week. Uh, I still say Belfast. See, I'm going to go Nottingham. Oh, yeah, equally three. Uh, I'm the same as Dave. I'm going to say Nottingham. Third game of the week. Obviously, it was a 7-5 tough game uh, between the two teams last weekend. Uh, yeah, a game of I think it'll be too so I'll say Nottingham. It's also an early face-off, so I'm, I'm kind of going, you know, Panthers will be at home. They'll get the jump on. Yeah, Panthers to do it. Can I change my hand there? <laughs> no. No. Got to Sorry. Your first answer. Your first answer is locked in. Chris Tarrant says no. Somebody coughed. Somebody coughed the answer Quite at you in the crowd. Uh, then we've got. I'm looking at somebody to give me an answer. I've not asked the next game yet. Um, then we've got Stars versus the Clan. Uh, stars. Clan. Nah, it's going to be an 80s party, Dundee. Just for that alone, I'm going to say Clan. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> not quite sure what you mean, Andy. Not quite sure what you mean. Uh, then we've got Blaze versus Steelers. Oh, um, Steelers. I'm gonna say Steelers as well. Steelers. I'm gonna say Blaze. There's been too many times where we've gone into that arena um, and come yeah. out with nothing. Uh, I, I can't see it. Uh, we've then got Guildford versus Cardiff. In Guildford. Cardiff. Third game on the chat as well for Guildford, so I'm saying Cardiff. Yeah, not only third game on the trap, but third game against the top end of the league, and they're chasing playoff. I can't see Guildford having a good weekend. Cardiff to win on Sunday. See, this is tough for me, because I think out of the three games, Guildford will get one. But I honestly couldn't tell you which. And despite saying 
Belfast for both of the other two games. I'm going to say Cardiff for this because I honestly can't see them doing it. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if they got one. I know that kind of goes back and contradicts what I'm saying. But three games three games in three days, as you say, against top-end opposition. Can't see them doing the third. So it wouldn't surprise me if they won one of the games in Belfast. But, yeah, I'll go Cardiff on that one full house. Uh, then cap off Sunday, we've got Flyers v Storm in Kikodi. Uh, I'll just put an M down next to you now, Griff, yeah? Flyers. Flyers? I'm going to say Flyers as well, unfortunately. I'm going to cross out the M. You feeling all right, mate? Not really, no. I think his migraine's coming back. Yeah. I think I might need to go back on the injured reserve list. Yeah. Back on IR. Um, Just for some dental repairs. It's not like Yahoo Fantasy League. (laughs) Five. Five to, to get the win. Yeah, I'm going to say full house for that five. If Greth's going against Manchester, you know that there's something wrong. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, Tuesday, the 12th of Feb, we have Clan v Stars. Uh, Clan. Clan. Stars. I'm going to leave you on your own there, Dave. I'm going to say Clan. That's fine. We'll have us. We'll we'll continue the 80s party on his own. That's fine. Yeah, you can keep your 80s party unless it's in Pop World, and then I'll be there. Um, it should be a nice party, yes. Um, and then Thursday, the 14th of Feb, we've got two Challenge Cup fixtures. Uh, the first is Giants v Clan, and it's a free sports game as well. Giants, Giants. I can't say anybody but the Giants, but I've, I also wouldn't be surprised if the clan were to pull this off. They've got a goal lead, but Giants. Yeah, I'm going to say Giants as well. I just realised I've done it again. I'm writing G for Giants against Glasgow. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Giants <laughs> as well. Um, and then the last game we've got against a Challenge Cup game, Nottingham v Flames. Oh, Flames. I'm going to say Nottingham. I'm going to say Nottingham, but I don't think it'll be by enough to prevent the Flames from making the final. So you think Nottingham to win the game, Flames to win the leg? Yes. Fair play. I, I, see, I'm, I'm edging towards that, to be fair. I'd agree with you, Dave, on that. I'd say Nottingham. I, I can't see them losing in their barn, but I can't see them putting in enough. So, yeah, I'll say Nottingham. What's good uh, win that 4 5 0? Well, Andy will be happy then because it makes him more oh, good. Because then we've all said something different, just like me with Manchester last week. Just putting that out there. I think there were two last week when I, I was the only one to get it right. Just saying. Good for you. And one of those was Dundee Glasgow as well. So, uh, again, you can keep your 80s party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think that brings us to the end of another My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody that's listened. Let us know what you think to the difference in, in sound. Uh, as I say, we've done this slightly differently this week, so please let us know if you think it's better or worse. Um, again, give us your questions. It's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Uh, keep using the hashtag who is Gareth Dutton or who is Maureen from Out of Cliff. I'm liking them both. <laughs> Um, but yeah thank you to everybody that listens as I say keep sending in the feedback um, 
we had a really nice tweet um, come in midway through the week um, regarding involvement of Newcastle. Uh, always nice to hear what people think. Uh, we do try and be as neutral and do try and act across the league rather than being team specific. So hopefully uh, everybody's enjoying that side of things. But thank you to everybody listening for the time being. Greth, thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Andy, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, uh, Dave and Greff. Thank you for everyone listening. No worries. Thank you, Andy. And Dave, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Andy and Greff, and to everyone who will be listening to this uh, edition of the podcast. Yeah, episode 22, it's always a good number. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know what you're laughing at there, mate. I don't know what you're laughing at at all. <laughs> No, it's a thank you from me as well again. Thank you to everybody listening to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Thanks a lot.